From the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby. Yes, welcome, welcome to all of our listeners. We welcome you over from all other platforms. I'm Sven Erlinson. This is a badass counseling show. We welcome you to our podcast. I'm here with my producers, Rob. Say hello, Rob. Always standing by and ready. How have you been today, Rob? Couldn't be better. <laughs> Good man. Always positive. And we've got Casey back in the booth. She is silent this evening, as per usual. I had her on the show yesterday, and uh, she was sort of doing the, what do I do with my hands uh, sort of thing. She's a master behind the scenes. I, I like teasing her. She's been in this longer than I have. We've got a fascinating show today. Uh, we're looking at something that's very, very common, and it's always been common, but it's never been part of the conversation of people sort of healing themselves and becoming their fullest selves. It, it's never been part of the conversation really in in mainstream culture until very recently. And we're talking about generational trauma today and how, you know, as we used to say in the military, shit rolls downhill. And what happened with grandparents, great-grandparents gets passed on and passed on to the next generation, passed on to the next generation. In a way, there's an old line from uh, Hebrew scripture that goes, the sins of the parents will be visited upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation. And it's an interesting concept, even if, you know, you don't, if I'm not Hebrew, I'm not, you know, really affiliated with any religion right now, but I'll steal from any source that has some good wisdom there. And there's really something to be said how things get passed from one generation to the next. And we've got a great guest tonight uh, who has a, a story that really dovetails into that. Um, so we welcome you to the show. We welcome Hunter to the show. And Rob, tell us a little bit about Hunter, if you would, please. Yes, here is what Hunter wrote to us. My name is Hunter. I am 20. Over the last few years, following the disowning of my grandparents by my mom, dad, sister, and I, tensions between me and my father specifically have been constantly heightening. I'm not trying to indicate that I'm 100% innocent in all of this, because after all, who is? However, I feel that the trauma from my dad's abused childhood has bled over into the last couple of years of our relationship, recently culminating in some egregious arguing matches, resulting in what I see to be some things said nothing short of emotionally manipulative and borderline abusive at times. I am not the only one who is suffering from this in my family. My younger sister struggles with it mentally to a degree that occasionally worries me. I absolutely jive with everything you say, Sven, and have read your book and have nothing but the highest praise for it. No line in any book has really hit my soul quite like the line, you got screwed, kid. Hunter, it's great to have you here. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I am I'm excited. Fantastic. Well, you opened by saying that... Um, talking about how your parents disowned your mom, your dad, and your sister. And I want to come back to that in a second, but I want to ask you, you said tensions between uh, my father and I, they've been constantly heightening um, really since that disowning. Let me ask, why now? I mean, if, if that was in the last few years, last two, three years, let's just say few usually means that. Um, why now? Why didn't they start heightening back when you were 14 or later when you're 27? You're 20 now. That means it started heightening around 17, 18, I'm guessing. Why then? Well, if I was a betting man, um, I would say it's somewhere along the lines of before kind of the whole disowning process, they were there, um, the grandparents being them. And uh, they were able to probably take a lot of the flack that maybe would have came my way and gone my dad's way. Um, if if I was to make a bet, I would say that's probably the largest indicator of that or part of it, rather. And do you have memories of grandma and grandpa being there and sort of taking the flack from your dad? Um, I have a lot of memories of them being around. Um, I never really got a ton of memories of them kind of arguing. It typically resulted in my grandpa saying some really horrible things um, and then not really having a whole lot said in response just because some of the stuff was so outlandish and awful that I really, even now looking back, could not justify any particular response to it. And so grandpa would say those things you said to your father or to you or what? Um, it was typically 
to my father. It was never really about him. It was usually to him or to him with me around about my grandma, um, his friends, just kind of things like that. Never really about us to our face. Um, I mean, if he was saying those things about other people, I can only imagine what he's saying now about us. And and just so I'm clear, this is your father's father, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. And so, and your father's father, roughly speaking, is approximately how old? Probably late 60s, mid late 60s, I believe. I haven't had any contact with him in the last probably four years. So I kind of forgot how old they were at that point. And how old are, you, how old are your parents? Uh, my mom's 47 and my dad's 45, I believe. Fair enough. And what precipitated? We're, we are talking about generational trauma. So I want to get at least a little bit of the story on, on this. Just a little bit briefly, what uh, what happened between mom and dad and your grandparents? See, it all had to have happened about freshman year of high school, um, maybe between freshman and sophomore year. And uh, my dad was really, really struggling with a lot of the things that he faced in his childhood, um, drunken abuse, neglect, um, lack of his mom protecting him and all of that. Uh, and he, he wanted to go to them and try and make amends for it and, you know, see if, we could figure something out to where they could stay in our lives. And they essentially said, uh, no, fuck you. We're not doing that. Um, sorry, you know, not worth it. And uh, ever since then, it's just kind of been uh, any limited contact has been nothing but detrimental and hurtful, especially to my sister. Um, I'm kind of to the point. I mean, I've done my letter writing and email writing and never sent anything thanks to you. And I, I've kind of made my peace with it, so to speak. Um, I don't really feel the need to forgive them. I also don't feel the need to give them any more influence over my life and my day to day. So this was like four or five years ago. And if you were a sophomore in high school, you would have been rough freshman to sophomore, you would have been roughly uh, 15 ish. So that's about five years ago. Then um, you said your dad was struggling with, you know, uh, memories from his childhood, of neglect, abuse, mom, not protecting him, etc. Uh, just so I'm clear, how do you know that? Did he tell you about it at the time? You've learned it since or are you speculating or what? Um, it was a little bit of then and a little bit of now. Um, it was kind of before any of us in the family realized that it that's kind of the thing that you, you keep your kids out of. Um, and so, I mean, I guess uh, intent is, is a big part of it. But yeah, it was pretty expressly stated to me. Um, and I mean, I don't hold any animosity over bringing that into my life at a young age. Um, just like I said, because we didn't really know that it's not something that's normal or should be done. And when you say we didn't know, you mean we, you kids didn't know? Or who didn't know? Specifically me, my mom and my dad. My sister is, um, see, she's four years younger than me. So she was super young at the time and wasn't really aware of any of it mm -hmm. other than uh, her grandma and grandpa were around. Um, and she just kind of got the, the story of, well, they, they weren't treating people right and we're not going to do that. Okay. And, and just so I'm aware then, so then uh, your dad squares off with his dad and his mom and they basically say, fuck off. We're not apologizing. That didn't happen. Something along those lines. And so everybody had their big, um, you know, uh, schism, you know, everybody says, fuck you, goodbye, go to hell. Um, how did you get caught in the cutting off from your grandparents? Um, I'd say the official kind of cutting off um, really happened probably the middle or the end of my sophomore year. Um, and at that point, uh, I had been kind of aware of it enough to make at least what I thought at the time was my own full-fledged decision on it. And I mean, my decision just so happened to be the same. Um, and I mean, I have no reason to not trust that decision just based on everything I've been able to pick up since then. Um, so I guess I wasn't even necessarily coerced into it. I was told if I want to have them around, then um, that's my prerogative. But uh, my parents weren't going to. Um, and I just so happened to agree that I didn't want them around. Totally unrelated yet related question. How much of your life has been spent wanting to make mom and dad happy with you and approve of you and get their praise and their approval and so forth? A notable amount. Yeah. A decent bit. Um, I guess it'd be kind of hard to quantify because I think I kind of jumped back and forth between the, I want to make you proud and the occasional rebellious kind of young angst of, I don't really care. Right. And wouldn't the rebellion and I don't really care, isn't that basically a response, a fuck you response saying, I really want you to approve of me. And because you're not approving of me, God damn it, I'm mad. Yeah. 
So even under the rebellion is the desire to have the approval, right? Yeah, that makes sense. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but yeah. Okay. And so then is it possible that in that decision, you said, I have no reason to distrust, you know, the decision, their decision to, um, and that they, you know, to get rid of uh, their, your grandparents, I have no reason to distrust their reasoning on it and so forth. Um, Yet it could be that somewhere inside of you, what was operating was somewhere deep inside, whether you're conscious of it or not, possibly, you know, I know they'll like it if I choose their side. I mean, clearly sides were drawn. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's safe to say that, that that's at least part of it. But um, actually, I really didn't go back and kind of write my or type out my letter to them until the last, uh, it was probably a month and a half, two months ago. Um, and I had heard some more things kind of um, from family members um, about them and really kind of cemented my decision on not needing that in my life um, in relation to a couple family, well, one family tragedy in uh, particular. Okay. So then you said that in the ensuing time since then, since really your sophomore year, um, shit has really more and more hit the fan, uh, constantly heightening are the words you use uh, from your father towards you and somewhat in, um, in return why or what has been the nature of uh, that relationship between your father and you? Why has shift heightened between the two of you? What's going on? I think a a good chunk of it is they see me as um, a stagnant, kind of like your couple failure to launch episodes right at the start of all this. Um, I kind of feel that there is, I feel that there is a certain aspect of that opinion in them um, that I don't see. Um, and I mean, it's entirely possible that they're right. It's entirely possible that they're wrong on it all. Um, I would say that is probably the most likely source of it. So, and if they see you as stagnant, that means, I mean, implicit in that is we don't approve of basically who you are, how you're living right now. We don't approve of you. Right. Isn't that the fundamental underlying message? Yeah. Yeah. And they want you to change. Yeah. I don't know if how much of a TV buff you you are a uh, hunter, but there's this old episode uh, from what some have called the greatest TV show of all time. And it was a show back in the 60s, 70s called All in the Family and uh, about this obnoxious Archie Bunker and he, his wife, Edith. And there's one episode where yeah. he says, come on, Edith, you got to change. You got to change right now, Edith. You know, um, and I, I'm thinking of your your father and mother too, whatever, whipped up in a bit of a frenzy is you got to change right now. You're stagnant. Come on. You got to change right now, Hunter. And so what it's increased. So clearly your parents are growing increasingly frustrated towards you and you are pushing back. You're saying, Hey, I'm not totally innocent. What has it felt like for you to get that message to change? We don't approve of who you are. You need to change right now. You're stagnant. Um, what has it felt like and how have you pushed back? What's been the nature, nature of your pushback? I don't typically go to a ton of the whole um, family things in relation to kind of the four of us. Um, and what's the reason you don't go to the family things? Um, for a long time, it really felt like any conversation beyond a simple, um, like, hey, how are you? How's your day? Blah, blah, blah. Um, anything that got any deeper than that really just seemed like, everybody opening up and kind of looking for opportunities to take blows at what each one thought about the other and what was wrong with them. And when you say each one thought about the other, are uh, I'm, I'm going to assume, and I could be wrong, I'm going to assume you weren't the one who drew first blood in those conversations. You know, Pop, let me tell you how you're fucked in the head. I'm assuming you weren't the one opening with the, the, with the opening volleys. Is that safe to say? Um, that's pretty safe. I tried it once and, uh, it wasn't probably the most productive conversation following that. Um, okay. So you, some loud volume. Sure. So you get in these family situations and basically if I'm hearing you correctly and you correct me if I'm wrong, I don't need to be right. I don't mind being wrong. I just want to understand you get in these family situations and dad and mom, uh, and I'll let you clarify on that, uh, are quick to start telling me basically what the fuck's wrong with me. And you said it; uh, they turn on your sister as well. Is that roughly what's happening? Yeah, um, she doesn't necessarily get kind of turned on as much as she is a very, um, 
she's good at picking up on kind of between the lines stuff a lot like I am. Um, and it's kind of one of those things where I'm sure with a lot of kids, something doesn't have to be expressly said, um, but in tonalities and looks and even the conversations between the two of them um, that you just hear on second hand, um, just picking up on stuff like that. Fair enough. And just so I'm clear, is most of the um, toxicity and criticism coming from your father? Or is it coming from both of them? Or what's the distribution of wealth there? Um, typically, it's with my dad. Um, a lot of times, he and I will have a big, if it comes to that, we'll have a big kind of blowout argument or debate or bickering match or however you want to look at it. And then following that, I'll have a really fairly level-headed conversation with my mom and ex- and able to express kind of what I might not have been able to express to him in kind of the heightened emotional state. Um, I can usually get that across with my mom because she doesn't have necessarily the um, defense mechanisms, I guess. Fair enough. And so let me ask you, um, what is the reason... Uh, as you see it, that you are in this, what your parents call stagnant and failure to launch and so forth and and this withdrawn uh, state. What do you see as the cause of this? Well, it's like I I told my mom the other day, we had a, um, I didn't actually had for the first time in a long time, a a deep conversation where I wasn't, I don't think either of us was mad afterwards. Um, There was kind of an emotional slurry there, but I don't think either of us, sorry, either one of us were really mad. Um, but I just told her, um, I had felt it for a long time. And then kind of whenever I got about halfway through your book and they said, children want to be heard, not fixed or listened to and not fixed, um, was, I mean, the best way I'd ever heard it put. And, and I brought that up and I think that definitely rings true for this. Um, a lot of times if I complained, it wasn't necessarily, um, validated or, properly invalidated. Um, it was just how I was perceiving it incorrectly um, and how me playing my Xbox at night or whatever was a root cause of that. And and so um, I want to follow up on that question of the cause. Right now, let's take a quick break. I'll be back with more Badass Counseling. Are you finally ready to turn your life around? Finally get the clarity, happiness, and sense of purpose you've been waiting for your whole life? Then go to BadassCounseling.com now and get the international best-selling book, There's a Hole in My Love Cup. It changed my life. It'll change yours. This show provides soul counseling intended to entertain and inform and is not medical advice. Back with more to kick your ass. Here's Sven. We are back with Hunter, and we're talking about generational trauma, and he's been filling me in on uh, the story of what happened uh, with his father and his parents, his father's parents, and then now we're, we've moved on to talking about what's been going on with his own parents and himself, as well as Hunter's sister. And I had asked you the question, I'm going to ask it to you again, Hunter. So what do you believe is the cause of your present state of feeling withdrawn and sort of failure to launch and, uh, you know, this sort of stagnancy, as your parents call it? Uh, what do you see as the cause of this state? I guess if I had to boil it down to kind of one baseline emotion, there's a decent aspect of fear there. Um, I mean, not fear of massive fallout or fistfires or anything. I mean, it's never been anything to that degree. Um, What's the fear? That maybe um, they're right, or maybe I am kind of what I have heard. Um and that it'll get brought up. Is it safe to say um, that no matter what you do decide to pursue, you're going to have to deal with their hundred questions, thousand questions, their fucking notions on what you decide to do. If you were to choose a path, Hey, I want to go off and I want to study, you know, I want to go to welding school or you know what? I actually want to go work on the slopes out in Colorado by winter. And I want to work at Red Rocks 
uh, by summer at the music venue and, you know, and rent a room and just start with that? Is it, or I want to go to college, be an astrophysicist. Is it, is it reasonable to say that really no matter what comes out of your pie hole, there's going to be criticism and questioning, or is that not their MO? I don't really think it is. I think they would be very supportive of me, whatever kind of my path decided to be. Um, and I'm currently kind of looking into the path of mental health and everything like that. Um, and I mean, I haven't received any interrogations or ninth degree about it. So what's the fear? You've chosen to withdraw. You've chosen to what your parents describe as failure to launch. I haven't asked you what, how you describe it. So why don't I ask you that first? How do you describe your present state? What do you call it? Just that the negative um, interactions between us will kind of boil up to a, a point of no return and have something like um, him and his parents do is probably the number one overarching thing for withdrawal. And I guess, um, I guess by kind of removing myself from it, yes, I'm also removing myself from that negative side, but also removing myself from the positive as well. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you, the reason you were withdrawn, I'm going to repeat back what I think I've heard, and you correct me, okay? That basically I've withdrawn because I fear those interactions. I fear it going to such a point that my mom and dad would basically disown me. Yeah, or me disown them or anything of the like. Okay. Yeah. And so, and what is, and I know this is going to sound silly, but it's an honest question. Why do you fear... A, a massive severing between your parents and you, a massive schism, the, them disowning you or vice versa. Why do you fear that so much? What do you fear losing? Or what do you fear happening if that happens? I mean, I fear losing them and I mean, everything that they uh, do for me on a day to day. And I mean, I don't want to come out here and pretend like they don't do anything or they're completely neglectful. I mean, it, it's quite the opposite. I mean, I'm sitting in my room in their house around a bunch of stuff that, that they paid to put here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's there's a part of me that's afraid of losing, I mean, the material part of it, but... Um, but what, is there something you're afraid of losing more? Is there something you're afraid of losing even more than the material part of it, Hunter? Them and my sister. And specifically what? When you say them, what specifically are we talking about? What would you lose if you lost them? What would you lose? Um people like the people that i know whether they look at it the same way as i do or not care um and stick by me no matter what but it, although if they chose to sever themselves from you then clearly they aren't sticking by you no matter what um right and so losing the people i know losing the caring let me ask you this question do you believe do you feel like your father approves of you mm -hmm. Not wholeheartedly, no. I think it's one of those things where... Do you feel like ever in your life your father has approved of you? Have you ever felt approved of by your father? Accepted, approved of, like, you're my son. I, I accept you. I approve you. Go for it. Have you ever felt that in your life? Yes. I've felt it both ways. Um, it it kind of ebbs and flows with how his mental um, problems are. You had said in your write-up that uh, I'm not the only one who's suffering. So you're indicating that you are suffering. What in one sentence or, or less are you suffering from? I'm suffering from him not fully being able to look into his past and having it bleed forward. Well, and okay, so and that's what I want to know. What's the bleeding forward? What's your experience? You're calling that the root, but and, and you sort of answered the question, so I appreciate that. But what exactly is your suffering? Um, I guess my suffering, and it has abated um, lately. He has been doing a, a large amount of work on himself, and, and I don't want that to go unnoticed, but he's been prone to kind of emotionally flare up incredibly and say some um, egregious things. Single worst thing your father's ever said to you is what? Single most painful thing your father's ever said to you is what? Um, if you knew how close I was to killing myself, you would have changed how you acted. <laughs> wow. Wow. So he put that shit on you. If and say that again. Just just so my listeners can hear that. Please say that sentence again. 
Um, if you knew how close I was to killing myself months ago, you would have changed how you acted. Wow. So in other words, you need to gauge your actions based on where I am at emotionally. And I'm going to saddle you with thoughts of my own killing myself. So you'll shut the fuck up and not say hurtful things back. So now I can hurt you. I can say what I want to you, boy. But don't you say shit back to me because I'm so close to killing myself. So I need you to tie your own hands behind your back and I'm going to punch you in the motherfucking face, metaphorically speaking, verbally. I'm going to punch you in the face because I'm about to kill myself. If any person says I'm about to kill myself and that should determine or I've, I've considered it or it's a thought in my head and the mere fact that it comes out of his fucking mouth, and, and as a result, you need to curb your actions. Do you see, Hunter, how extraordinarily manipulative that is? Yeah. And so let me ask you, when he said, if you knew how close I was to killing myself, you know, basically, maybe you would have chosen different words, young man, along those lines. He didn't, those weren't the words that you said, but um, how did that make you feel? Well, at first, I mean, it extremely numbed me. It didn't really kick in until... Um, a couple hours later when I was at work and I had kind of some time to try and sort my own thoughts out. Um, and at that point it was, I mean, every negative emotion in the books, um, just kind of coming at me all at once. Sad anger, frustration, betrayed disappointment, terror, terror, of course, terror. Your father could be dead. Yeah. That'll yes, strike terror in anyone. Okay. So that's the single worst um, give me second worst he's ever said. Um, this is kind of immediately on the heels of that. Um, and I mean, it was just kind of a big two and a half hour ordeal at two hour ordeal. Um, and as we were kind of bringing it to a close, he said, you know, um, if I could leave you with one thing, it would be, um, you get in this life or you get out of this life, what you put into it. And then kind of gestured at me and said, or so I used to think, um, and that was kind of what was closed out of the argument, kind of implying that that's me. In other words, if I'm hearing you correctly, I've pumped so much into you, boy, and what a fucking disappointment you are because I haven't gotten shit out of that. Is that what he was saying or something else? Yeah. And tell me that isn't fucking heartbreaking. It was probably, well, obviously, this, this, if I had to make a list, they would be one and two, um, respectively. Understandably. Understandable. Um, and so let me ask you, um, are you a person who journals just out of curiosity? Or are you in counseling or anything like that? Yeah, I'm in counseling now. Um, and I do, I wish I was more consistent about it. Um, I don't know why I'm not, but, um, I'm rather sporadic about it. And well, let me ask you the straight question and, and I'm not scolding. I'm just asking an honest question. What's the reason you're not more consistent about it? Is it that, I don't get anything out of it. I don't enjoy it. It feels like work. Or is it, I really don't want to think about this shit or what is it? More so it's probably that I, I don't want to think about it. And what's the reason you don't want to think about it, Hunter? I'm afraid I'm going to come to a conclusion I won't like. Uh, um, let me ask you this. Very often when people say they don't want to journal, it's because, and uh, they say, you know, it's, I don't want to look at the shit. It's too fucking painful. It's just too painful to feel all the fucking feelings. And you're sort of saying the same thing because if I reached a conclusion I don't like, it would not feel good. And so let me ask you, you say, I'm afraid, the reason I don't journal is I'm afraid I'll come to a conclusion I won't like. I got to ask, what is the conclusion you fear you will come to that you won't like? Mm, that my dad is probably more... Um, at least manipulative about it, then I want to admit. And so what would be the conclusion then after that? So if he's more manipulative than you would like to admit, then what? What does that mean? What are the implications? How does that feel? Why is that so significant for you? Because I've looked up to him for such a long amount of time and how strong he um, at least appeared when going through everything with his parents and that that's not real. Um, and that it's something that I need to not have around. There you go. Okay. So in other words, A, I've looked up to him my whole fucking life, and if I actually looked into all this shit with my journaling, 
I would reach a conclusion that I may not like. Basically, that he he's not on a pedestal anymore for me. He's not the man I thought he was. That in a way, and again, correct my words, I don't mind being wrong. In a way, he's a fucking disappointment. He's a fucking, he's a hurtful, malicious fucking disappointment, whether it's because of his childhood shit or mental illness. I don't fucking care. All I know is he fucking hurts me. Yeah. Right. And uh, so there's that, reaching that conclusion. And so, you know, I got to take him down off the pedestal. But then basically, I got to not be around him. Which is what you just said about 10 minutes ago when you said, you know, I fear this turning into a massive explosion where one of us basically walks away and there is the severing, either him from me or me from him. So it's almost like you know the answer. It's almost like you know what's potentially coming. Or there's a, and you wouldn't think it's, you wouldn't be so afraid of it if we're just like a potential, like 2% potential. There's actually some measure of likelihood, potentially even, even high likelihood that if you looked at the truth of all of this, really went into it and felt how it all feels, that you in a way, likely, not certainty, but likely or potentially would realize, I don't want to be around him anymore. Or I have to create distance. Is that, are we in the ballpark here? Yeah. And so what is the one thing above all else, if you had that realization, what comes after that that you fear most. So if you have that realization and you decide to withdraw from your father or sort of push him out of your life or create some significant boundary that you hold to, what is it that that would feel like that you fear so much? Mm. Alone. Mm. Right. So even though dad can be a fucking dick, and yes, he's been a little nicer lately, but you've got basically a five-year fucking pattern of behavior. So him being nice a little bit lately is sort of like, yeah, okay, great. You know, uh, lipstick on a pig. Um, (laughs) uh, So you've got these people in your life that are um, hurtful and mean, but at least I'm not alone. And so it sounds like to me what you're wrestling with, or at least a huge part of what you're wrestling with is, is it better to just be alone and on my own and finally building my own life without all of this massive negative energy in my life? Or is it better to hold on to these people even, you know, even though they're sort of punching me in the face? Yeah, that's a very good way of looking at it. And um, I'm sure it's probably something I've looked at before and made a decision on. And if you have made a decision on, or even if you haven't made a decision on, my one of my biggest recommendations to you is you got to get this pain out. Even though you fear going into and feeling all the feelings that go with it, it's not just the conclusions and the actions that will or will not be taken, taken or that you fear taking. It's all the feelings. It's the emotional charges that go with it. You've presented today as a very calm person. And yet we're discussing what is likely the scariest fucking thing of your entire fucking life. And there have been no shedding of no shedding of tears, no elevated voice, no anger, which indicates to me you keep your feelings locked down pretty tight in that fucking vault, which indicates to me if you're doing it 20, you were likely doing it at 15, which means you were likely doing it at eight. So let me ask you, have you been basically locking down your feelings most of your life or is this a new phenomenon? Um, I would say probably 15. Um, truthfully, I don't have a ton of memory from the whole eight-year-old aspect. Um, we moved about 500 miles away from where I grew up and I, it just feels like a lot of those kind of memories then stayed there. Um, I have a really hard time kind of active recalling stuff from that, but... Um, and just out of curiosity, two things. So you said, um, you know, basically when you were 15, the shutting down of the feelings started or at least more completely. Is that correct to the best of your recollection? Yeah. And actually I can even do one, but I can pretty well narrow down the exact day. Go tell Um, me, Oh, I have to hear this because at 15, this is right around the time of the grandma, grandpa blowout sort of thing. So tell me the exact fucking day that you shut down 
So it was actually, it was my 15th birthday, uh, May 27th, 2017. Yeah, 15. Um, and my grandparents were in town um, for my birthday. And my grandpa has always been a huge outdoorsman. Um, my dad has followed in suit. And it, it's kind of dropped off less so since um, my grandpa's been cut out. Um, slowly but surely, it's dropped off. And uh, it was my birthday. I had been going incredibly hard at everything, getting ready for football season. Um, I was tired, kind of kind of beat up from it all. Um, and I really just kind of wanted a day um, mellow. Didn't have to get up early. Didn't have a ton of responsibilities on that day. Um, and my grandpa really wanted to get up and go fishing, um, whether it was because he wanted to be around me for my birthday or it was just what he wanted to do and can be a selfish asshole. I, I'm not sure. Um, but I remember we got up super early um, and went to uh, a dam off the lake and fished from probably 5 o'clock to 10.30 or 11 or so. Um, and I didn't really get to see a ton of my friends or get, get a ton of what I wanted to do on that birthday. Um, and my dad and uh, my grandpa just both kept asking me if I was all right. I mean, I seemed really out of it. And I mean, I just said, yeah. And I didn't really speak up and say, well, no, I, I didn't want to do this on my birthday. And we did it anyways, because, well, Grandpa Albert, apparently what you want on my birthday is more important than what I want. Mm. Um, and I didn't say that. And I mean, I, I remember the day very, very clearly. Wow. And you say basically that's when you began shutting down your feelings. And the reason you began shutting down your feelings is what? Mm, that I didn't think they were valid. Yeah, that I, cause I didn't think they were valid. And that's it. That's it. Of course it didn't. It didn't matter what you, it was your, the one day. And the reason it's so crystal clear on that day is, I mean, come on. It's the one day out of the year that it should be what the fuck you want. Poof. Gone. All that matters is what the fucking adults want. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with more badass counseling right after this. It took me to the place that scared me the most. The crap I've been running from my whole life. The stuff that's been dragging me down. And it literally began the healing. I feel lighter, clearer, and just happier. Finally, some freaking peace. You got to get this book. There's a hole in my love cup or the do-it-yourself video courses, all at badasscounseling.com. It's totally killer stuff. Now, back to the badass. And we are back with Hunter. Hunter, tell me then. Yeah, I, I want to ask, you said you originally lived 500 miles away and you've basically compartmentalized all the memories from there. Just out of curiosity, briefly, why did you, why have you compartmentalized all the memories from there? Why is that sort of box, put in a box and in the past? You know, truthfully, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I mean, I don't really speak to anybody from that part of my life at all. Um, even, I mean, the kid I've known since kindergarten, first grade. I mean, we've both gone off. He's going to, uh, at the university of Illinois. Um, I'm kind of working and going to a tech school here or a community school here. And I just haven't really caught up with anybody from that part of my life. And when you think about that part of your life, the memories that you do have, whether boxed away or not, or at least the affect, the feeling that you have from that period of your life, is it happy or what? Um, there's a good mix, but overall, I mean, I would say they're fairly positive. Okay. Um, okay. Specifically kind of up in seventh, eighth grade, um, eighth grade, whenever we moved away, the following spring, um, ended up a kid that I'd known since about second grade ended up taking his own life, um, which really kind of made me not associate myself with those memories a ton. Um, if I was a betting man. I would say that's probably a pretty good, pretty good route. And just so I'm clear, and so the reason you don't want to associate with those memories is because then what? Um, while they might have been a lot of positive, um, there was also several brief yet very potent negative times. And so I don't want to revisit those. I don't want to journal about those. I don't want to write letters that I don't send about those or even talk about those in counseling or whatever. I don't want to do them because it would feel 
what? Bad. <laughs> Bad, right. Painful, sad, disappointing, uh, terrifying, all of those things, right. Right. So then we, we have evidence then that even prior to 15, because you just said 7th or 8th grade, which is generally 12, 13 in there, um, we have evidence then of powerful negative feelings that you have locked down and been avoiding, right? I guess we do. I hadn't, hadn't really put that two and two together. Right. And we know that we have the powerful um, memory and feelings of your birthday, your 15th birthday. And we also know that you've not wanted to journal and so forth on all of the painful shit and your real thoughts and feelings regarding your father. Again, painful shit, sad, mad, angry, whatever. Um, as I said, you come off as very calm, cool, collected and nothing wrong with that. Um, but very often what that means is there's so much fucking pain inside. Um, and so I'm just curious in your home growing up with your parents, if you were to pick one and maybe it's neither. So it's A, B, C, it's either A, it's B or C, neither. You could even say D both, but do your best. Um, which feeling were you not allowed to express or were most frowned on sad, mad, or neither or both? There's so, oftentimes in homes, there's sort of, there are some feelings that are not allowed to be expressed. And I'm just wondering if there was one in your home. Oh, okay. Um, probably the closest fit would be mad or I guess slightly less sharp than that and kind of discontent. Disc or wow. So it's not even that you couldn't express anger and mad, even discontent was frowned upon. Did I hear you correctly? Yeah. I see. So you really had to lock that shit down. Because it's one thing to say... I've been known to. Okay, you've been known to. And it, it, that's not a child's natural state. A child naturally expresses sadness and anger. So you being known to now at 20 or at 17 or whatever, you were conditioned to do that. You were taught that. The shutting down of feelings was taught. And so in a way, the very thing that you were taught, because it wasn't your natural state. It's not, no child, it, it isn't a child's natural state to keep down feelings of anger and sadness and whatever else. So you keeping them down now was trained. So isn't it interesting that the very thing you need to heal your, your soul, and that is the getting out of those feelings, even if you never confront anyone such as your dad, the very thing you most need to do is the very thing you've been conditioned to not do. And that is to express your feelings. Yeah. And isn't it interesting? And your um, resistance to journaling and your resistance to looking at these past events is, A, it would be very, very painful, but also you've been conditioned to not look at that shit because the, that shit would stir up feelings that you're not allowed to express. Do you see what's happening there? Do you see the conditioning that was sort of pressed into the wet cement of your soul and how that's keeping you locked down? Yeah. Um, I just, I'm just curious on one thing. Uh, well, a few things actually. Um, and that is your father had said that his great beef with his parents that he sort of confronted them on was neglect, abuse. You know, mom was not protecting him and so forth. Um, did you feel neglected or abused when you were growing up by your father? Because you actually state, I feel that trauma from my dad's abused childhood has bled over into the last couple of years of our relationship, recently culminating in some egregious, that's a big word, and I know you know it's a big word, because anybody who knows that word doesn't use it unless it's generally appropriately placed. Egregious arguing matches resulting in what I see to be some some things said, nothing short of emotionally manipulative and borderline, there it is, abusive at times. So you yourself describe your father as at least borderline abusive. And this coming from a young man, you, who keeps his feelings in. So it's reasonable to assume that you choosing words like egregious and borderline abusive may be a bit of an understatement. Um, I guess I chose borderline because, I mean, it's incredibly isolated yet kind of patterned instances. Um, and then it's like nothing ever happened. Oh, wow. Um, typically, it, typically it falls around um, any time of year that has to do with anything that would um, in the past have involved his parents, um, the opening of different hunting seasons, 
um, parents' birthdays, Father's Day, Mother's Day. And so, and so you literally use the words, uh, one of the words that he uses to describe his parents, you have used in describing your father, and that's the word abuse. Isn't it interesting that you also talk about your father has these times where he says these things and your mother, you can talk to your mother after the fact, but your mother doesn't step in and stop it, right? So she's not protecting yeah. you. She's not stepping in front of the cannons to t eat the bullets um, from the uh, and eat the rockets coming from the father. She doesn't eat them so the child doesn't have to. She, in fact, stands back, lets you eat the bullets, and then she sort of does some triage after the fact or, you know, feels bad and lets you get it out. So in a way, isn't it fascinating that the very things that they accuse their your uh, grandparents of is the very things that they are in, uh, engaging in with you? Yeah, it is interesting, at least. Isn't that it is interesting? And to me, the level of self fucking righteousness I don't doubt that your parents experienced those things at the hands of their at the hands of your grandparents, at the hands of their parents. I don't doubt that. But what's fascinating is that they are so aware of how they were treated, how and particularly how your dad was treated by his parents, and yet he's so unaware of how he's treating you. Or even if he is aware, he's not changing his action and he's never saying anything about it after the fact. I said that's probably been the the biggest kind of um, player in it is the lack of um, retrospect when it comes to that stuff. Cause I mean, we had the big blowout argument. I mean, I was, luckily I have a, a, a different situation with work where um, my boss is a very good trusted friend of mine. Um, but I mean, I would have been made two and a half hours late to, I was made two and a half hours late to work. Um, I mean, if that had been any other job, you know, it wouldn't have been as good. Um, and I mean, it's never really been revisited um, aside from the one time whenever I brought it up. So he's so he's unwilling. He's not self-reflective. He's unwilling to atone for when he fucks you over. But you'll eat shit if you in any way say something that might be hurtful or whatever uh, towards him. Is that somewhat accurate? Historically, yes. I see. Um, and so one last question for you, Hunter, and it's, and it's this. If you were to make that decision to protect yourself by establishing a boundary and strong boundaries and maintaining those boundaries between your parents and you, if you were to do that, or at least your father, um, and I know you fear that very much and you fear the being alone and pulling your, down out, your dad down off the pedestal that you've had him on, seeing him for who he really is, and then having to move on in your life without the people who have cared about you and provided for you and so forth, um, at least for sure in the short term. Um, you can't predict the total future, but if you were to do that and then be alone, and I know this is a weird question, but it's an honest question, would you be okay? I think so, yeah. Why do you say that? I'm a very... Um resilient individual um that's probably the best best way to justify that i love it i think that's a great answer and i'm actually i want to ask you one other question with that and that is and this is going to sound dopey but again honest question hunter are you in your eyes all right in your eyes in your vision of yourself are you a good person do you like you Yes, a lot. I like that. I love that answer. <laughs> I love that. The truth is, Hunter, a couple of things. One, it sounds like you already sort of know what your answer or what you need to do for you. And I can understand why you've wanted to withdraw and avoid that. I can totally understand. It's the biggest decision of your life up to now, easily. And I can understand. And no one could blame you if you chose to stay withdrawn for a while. Nothing wrong with that. But at some point in your life, you're going to have to face the decision of, I need to live. I want to come alive. And this whole thing is killing me. It's sucking the fucking life out of me. And that may not be today or tomorrow or next week. But the day is going to come when you're going to have to choose life. 
and you kind of already know what you need to do in order to choose life. And when you're ready, the strength will come. But let me tell you what you can do to hasten that strength. And that is to get out all of the crud that is weakening your strength. Going back into the childhood and your dear friend committing suicide. Going back into that birthday event. Going back into all of the years subsequent to that event. And going into all of your real feelings and your truths. And doing all of that in journaling and letter writing. At some point, if you truly want to heal, and I know you do because you wouldn't have suffered through my fucking book and reading that whole damn thing unless you did want to heal. Um, So I know you have it in you. But the next step is to face the ugliest of truths of your entire life, to flush out all of the emotional charges. And yes, it's going to be challenging. And yes, at times it's going to be painful. But the more you stay in it and do as my 93-year-old mother before she passed away always said, keep flushing, just keep flushing. Because eventually all of that pain is out of you and it's no longer in you. You will be lighter, you will be clearer and stronger than you ever even knew was possible. But you got to keep doing the work, kiddo. Does that make sense? Yep. And And what that means is it's time to unlock that vault in which you've had all of those authentic feelings that are very normal. If someone stole my birthday, honestly, I'd be fucking livid. I'd be livid. Although I, I will say this, I'm, I'm gonna end it on this. Every year on July 4th, we have a big party at our house, or almost every single year. And uh, my girlfriend, her birthday, she's a Yankee Doodle Dandy. Her birthday actually happens to be July 4th. and But she knows I like big parties, so we have a big party, but she doesn't want us to celebrate. And uh, I don't know if it was COVID or if we were going on a trip in September when my birthday was. And she said, Sven, Sven, you can have my birthday. You can have my birthday. And I'm like, no, I don't need your birthday. But everybody, but she propagated we're celebrating Sven's birthday. Well, everybody comes, wish me a happy birthday. She didn't want a cake. She didn't want the attention. And, and then she'll kid me about it. You know, that night, it's like, everybody came for your birthday. You know, and she's half kidding and whatever. And so the next morning we wake up and I, and I said to her, can we go downstairs now and open up all my birthday presents? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, on, on a serious note, no, uh, yeah, somebody's stealing your birthday. You have every right to be angry. And so all of these events, you have all this feeling packed down and all of that needs to come come out. It all needs to be flushed out. And the more you do that, the so much clearer you're gonna become, the so much stronger you're going to become, even in the face of the m- most difficult decision of your life up till now. And you'll become stronger. You'll become so much happier. But it means going into that cave that you most fear to enter. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Hunter, uh, it's been great having you on the show. You've been so open and so honest, and I'm really sincerely grateful for that. And I really hope that you'll stay in touch with us on the show, especially as you go more and more into your feelings. And Hunter, there's no need to rush any decisions. Just trust that the answers will come, but do the work. Keep doing the work. To be doing that shit at 20 years old, you are decades ahead of most of my clients. You are so smart in doing it now, and I encourage you to keep that up, all right? Yes, sir. All right, Hunter, it's been great. Thank you so much. And to all of you uh, listening to the Badass Counseling Show, we thank you for joining in and joining us and listening to Hunter's story. Have a kick-ass day. The Badass Counseling Show is strictly copyrighted. No copies may be made without the express written consent of the Badass Counseling Show, LLC. The Badass Counseling Show is produced by Karen Camparelli and Robert H. Friedman. Executive producer, Sven Erlinson. Original music by two-time Emmy Award-winning composer Trevor Morris. Have a kick-ass day.